Welcome to the 13th episode of In The Vitrine. My name is Danny. And I'm Nadia. And today, we're going to be talking about how we can be better together. And mm. I mean, we're already better together, Danny. You and <laughs> yes, me in this are. recording studio. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, well, last week we didn't have a session because uh, Danny was away in Bogota, Colombia. Colombia. In Colombia. <laughs> Where you are from, right? No, or not really. I'm actually from Bolivia, but right. it's it, it's along the Andes. It's in South America. Okay. Yes, and uh, it's very similar. Mm. Well, in some ways. Okay. I'm sure the Bogotans will kill me if I say that Bolivia is very <laughs> similar to Well, both that would be. Well, okay, never mind. Uneducated comment. Let's move on. Um, so... Could you talk to us a little bit about, you know, um, applying for this conference, which is uh, Cumulus, the design after? Yes. And I guess the ideas you you heard over there. Yeah. So I applied to the Cumulus conference. So Cumulus is this association of a lot of different design universities from around the world. And they usually have two conferences, one in Europe and where most of the committee is, and one where they try to go to... Um, the global south or outside of Europe. So these conferences are, of course, planned months and months in advance. Mm. And the call for papers was, like, uh, I think earlier this year. So I have been... I have been preparing this paper and this... um, preparing myself for the conference for a long time. And I wanted to apply to Cumulus Bogota because it's in... Bogota, and okay. I wanted to go back to South America, where I'm from. I haven't been back since 1997, so I was very wow. excited. I That's know a long, it's long 22 time. years. Goodness, yes. Okay, and it was so amazing because some of the TV shows that I used to watch as a kid were still being played. In there's this <laughs> particular TV show from Mexico called Chapulín Colorado, and it was playing in like the marketplaces, and people were still laughing at it. And mm. and it's a show from like the 80s. It's quite wow. it's, yeah. It was. It was very nice and a lot of things were very familiar like the food and like certain types of fruits. Yeah. Like there's this fruit called moko moko which is like a pomegranate and I got to eat it again after like 20 years. Wow. Yeah. So I mean That's apart like from personal reasons. <laughs> traveling back in time. <laughs> apart from personal reasons um, I wanted to attend a um, pedagogy conference. So the pedagogy is like the idea of um, how we teach and as a fashion educator I teach a lot of um, design process and fashion design course uh, studios as well so I wanted to share one of the projects that we do in LaSalle so the project that I shared was this project on upcycling and I don't know if you saw it during the the mm. LaSalle graduation show this year so Mm-mm. 10 of our students did upcycling projects for um, their final year projects and they were really really good and it also allowed me to see how the way that we teach fashion education hasn't changed in the last like since I was taught mm. to be a fashion designer and yet now we have really complex problems like overproduction um, we realize that we can't do fashion the same way that we have done so then fashion design should change mm-hmm. so that was what my paper was about my paper was about um, upcycling as a design technique and also it so, it so happened that this year's LVMH winners, uh, many, of, many of the finalists actually had upcycling uh, processes in their business practice like mm-hmm. Bode and even Marine Serre who mm-hmm. we spoke about a few episodes ago also had like an upcycle collection 
So I spoke about that and I spoke about changing our idea of aesthetics and fashion always is seen as very pristine and new. But since the 80s, designers like Comme des Garçons and Margiela have shown us that the imperfect, the, the upcycled, the mended, the patchworked garment can be beautiful too, but in a very non-conventional way. Right. Yeah, so that was what the paper was about. And, and how did it go? It was really good. I, I was very nervous to present. Like I couldn't even click my <laughs> presentation. I had to ask somebody to help me. But once I was in front of everyone, yeah. then I was just like... Uh, one of our colleagues, Martin, said it was like a performance. So Oh, that's such a nice comment. Yeah, so I guess it's we're so used to presenting to our students that yeah. we can we are used to I mean presenting is performative right it is yeah and um, it was really fun and uh, people gave me really nice comments and feedback and asked things like how scalable this process is right. but I mean it is a design conference not just a fashion design conference mm. so a lot of the other topics were about other things like um, graphic design urban planning architecture so it was mm -hmm. very it wasn't just fashion so it was about thinking of design in a larger sense like design thinking yeah and I'm sure that there were some themes that cut across all these um, design disciplines like with upcycling or you exactly. know with just using sustainable materials or methods exactly so mm. um, they had some really amazing keynote speakers and there were three main ideas that I really took away and one of them was the idea of the future of materials. Mm -hmm. I mean, Central St. Martins just launched a new course also where beyond sustainability, we're thinking about what the materials of tomorrow would be like and there was um, this, one of the designers that was mentioned was Suzanne Lee who created Bio Couture um, and launched this book in 2007 called Fashioning the Future, Tomorrow's Wardrobe. And she teaches in Central St. Martins. So she created this amazing um, leather jackets and leather-looking jackets and very beautiful um, garments that made out of um, bacteria mm. that she grew in, like these tubs. And so these materials, even though they're using technology to be harnessed, they are bio biologically linked to nature and and so that's the new next step for sustainability dialogues yeah um but not only fashion like even in architecture or interior mm. design like all the other disciplines are thinking about this new biomaterial it's interesting you bring that up because i'm seeing quite a number of our students in the fashion design textiles program um our final year students who are looking at biomimicry mm. in creating like new textiles or thinking about how um, design can be more adaptive and yeah. things like that. So, mm. Yeah, exactly. And the other key idea was the idea of like, especially because the conference was in South America and outside of Europe, it was a lot of conversations about the idea of the global south. So the global south is not a physical south of equator, but um, the idea of countries... Um, that are outside of the main European or uh, even American conversations that make the global north. So it's not a physical geography, but more of like an economical and social geography. So there's this very strong idea that we would have heard a lot of, even in history, uh, talk about decolonizing and decolonizing our syllabus. And this idea is about not taking the Western-centric, the European-centric, 
Eurocentric approach to history or to knowledge, but understanding that other tribes, other cultures already have knowledge that we can learn from. So mm -hmm. in this amazing dean from OCAD in Toronto called Dori Tarnstall, she was talking about how her school is using this idea of the seven wisdoms from indigenous Native American culture. And I mean, the Native Americans were the first one to create parkas and sunglasses. Mm -hmm. And so they definitely know something or one thing or two about building and about creating um, utilitarian garments to, to withstand all those... Um, the harsh elements of nature. And, exactly. Yeah. And mm. using natural materials. Yeah. Right. So then they're trying to use those like traditional methods to think about how we can create the design for the future. And she also spoke about cultural appropriation and she brought up the example of KTZ that did a collection based on like um, a Native American motif that mm -hmm. was quite sacred to a mm -hmm. particular tribe. And the tribe, I think, is from Canada as well. So it was very close to her students. And she was talking about how how can she teach her Black and Native American students about design when sometimes design has harmed their community so much. Mm. And she also brought up this example of the the cotton... Uh, this this machine that helped for cotton production mm -hmm. and because of the design of that machine the increase of like black slaves in America cotton was jitney, is it what it's called uh, sorry is it called the jitney yes yeah so she's yeah exactly so yeah and she said that she hates that object so yeah. much and there was an example of a designed object and so how design where it can solve a lot of problems, it can also create new problems. Mm. So that was very interesting and very emotional. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the third thing was this idea about uh, anti-innovation. So we mm. always are... Obs I mean, fashion's obsessed with newness. Mm -mm. But now with the idea of sustainability, we're trying to think about reusing and upcycling and borrowing. And so this idea of anti-innovation is the idea that instead of looking for newness all the time, we try to mend or repair things that already exist. So right. it was more in the context of cities and how we don't have to keep building new things, but we should learn how to repair things. Mm. That's and such an interesting idea. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, fashion thrives on novelty, as, as you mentioned, but at the same time, I always think about fashion in cycles as well. And, you know, things get recycled, right? Exactly. Things that were fashionable before come back in fashion when it sort of like, you know, has its heyday and then it's like, okay, it peters out and then it comes back again. So it's just, I guess, about rebranding, repackaging, rethinking. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and to do it in a more material way, I okay. guess. Yeah. Yeah, oh. so that's what I was up to. And... Uh, yeah. I also went to uh, some museums there and I saw these amazing pieces of Amerindian gold that uh -huh. have been made like thousands of years ago. And they're just so beautiful and it shows you that humans have always created beautiful things. Mm. And we use things and we create things for adornment, not just because um, they, they, are, they protect us from the elements, but they have magical qualities, they have aesthetic qualities, and that was very nice to yeah. remember. <laughs> Sounds like a really good trip. Yeah. And did was. you do anything fun aside from that and go shopping or...? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we went a bit crazy at the artisanal shop where we bought, like, a lot of woven baskets. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like, just handicrafts. So, 
it's quite interesting because Colombia is actually known a lot for, well, very notoriously the drug wars with mm-hmm. the cartels, which have been kind of, they're trying to wipe that out, but also oil. Mm. So a lot of their GDP came from oil, but now the government is trying to push towards like culture and design. Mm-hmm. And in, the, in 1967, they started this, co- this co-op to kind of preserve the handicraft techniques of different indigenous groups in Colombia. So yeah. they created this brand called uh, Artisans de Colom- Artisanos de Colombia, which is where we went to buy all these yeah. baskets. <laughs> okay, and how do you think, you know, your experience in Colombia is going to shape, like, you know, your research or your practice? Mm. I mean... Yeah. yeah, I think right now I am thinking a lot about... I mean... Because I was born in Bolivia and and I am half Bolivian, but at the same time I'm half Singaporean, I think this idea of identity and the diaspora is is something that I'm still trying to find how I can make sense of it. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people are experiencing this idea of like dual dual identities and we're always thinking about yeah, none of us is really truly just one thing. Mm-mm. But I haven't been able to articulate this into research. Like during my MA, I was able to do. I I did um, a fashion pro- exhibition proposal for Black British designers, and I did a lot of research on um, the diaspora and and uh, the writing and the history of this. And then a few years later, the FIT did like Black uh, American designers, mm. and I also found. Uh, a researcher that is writing about this forgotten black British, uh, sorry, black American designer. And so the, I, I see things like spectras popping up after that. And it's just, I guess I'll find the right time to do that. But on the other hand, I'm also continuing this vein of like upcycling and mm. the idea of the this paper I wrote for Bloomsbury called The Aesthetics of Use. And I think it's very relevant to current uh, conversations about yeah. sustainability and mm-hmm. repairing and changing our aesthetic, um, our aesthetic lens of what is beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I think you know. I mean, what you've just shared is kind of also what I've been thinking about in the past week because I mean, I spoke at the Why Not Community Mixer, so that's also a kind of rethinking mm-hmm. um, and is in terms of rethinking of models for uh, presenting fashion in mm. Singapore. Um, and I definitely hear what you're saying about how like we all feel, you know, this very keenly this search for our identity and we're not really sure where we fit in most of the time and it's always evolving, right? Um, so for Singapore fashion, I mean, we haven't had a fashion week. I mean, this is what we've been talking about before also. We haven't had a fashion week since 2017, was it? I think 2017 was the last one. And then 2018, we didn't yes. have it. This year, we didn't have it. Um, and, you know, so why not? Uh, it started by a group of fashion students um, across the different schools in Singapore, you know, that offer fashion. So I know that, for instance, some of our students are part of the organizing committee. Some students as well from NAFA or from... NAFA is the Nanyang Academy of Fine Arts in Singapore. They were actually the first fashion school in Singapore um, in the late 1980s. That's when they started. And then some students as well from Tomasic Polytechnic. Um, and I joined the Mixer because one of our students, Sabrina, um, thought that it would be a, a good 
moderator and a good panelist, you know, on two separate talks. And of course, yeah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And of course, I said yes because I'm always for, you know, new ways of like, you know, doing things in the industry here. And I love supporting the students as you do, of course. I would have loved to go just. Yeah, you were in Colombia. (laughs) Exactly. So we were both invited as in the vitrine. podcast founders <laughs> and also um, in our capacity as I mean you know different capacities like you as a fashion designer and a fashion business owner and a lecturer at LaSalle of course and me for you know all the things that I do with my research and also my teaching here uh, so some of the things that struck me at the mixer okay first of all when I went it was in a really cool location by the way it was at White Label mm. yeah and it's um at Ansiang yes Ansiang Road Ansiang Street I yeah. forget did what you, it's called exactly did you get to try the pizza next door yeah no. people have been telling me about that yeah, but I did really not good. okay fine I should have done <laughs> <It's> uh, time <laughs> So it's in a really cool location and, you know, people can get cocktails and, you know, just enjoy the talk at the same time, which was lovely. That's so, so nice. Yeah, so it was a very relaxed atmosphere to begin with. And at first it felt like I didn't quite belong because all the audience were like really young and cool looking. <laughs> so I was like, okay, never mind. I am here for a reason and I will share what I know. <laughs> um, so it was lovely because, you know, I could see... Um, our students there, some ex-students there as well, and, you know, just people who are really interested to do something, you know, about about um, their practices here in Singapore. You know, they are, like, recent graduates. They are people who practice abroad, for instance, and they want to come back home and do something as well. So um, I moderated the first panel, which was about um, the point of fashion shows. And on my panel were Noelle Lowe, who is the editor of Female Magazine, which is... Uh, women's magazine that has a really strong focus on fashion, I would say. And then there was uh, Rachel Chong, who um, is a recent fashion graduate, and she owns Closet Children, so that's a label. And she's also the uh, founder of this thing called Awkward Party, which oh, I find... Oh, I signed up for that. Oh, good. Yeah. It sounds absolutely fascinating, the idea of an awkward party. I mean, we would fit right in, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And um, the third speaker was um, Nicole Nye, who is a photographer. She is also a LaSalle alum, um, but now she works in London and she's walked for the art school. Yes. Fashion shows as well, which I find super cool. Um, so, you know, it was really nice to talk to to all of, all three of the speakers, they had lots to share from their different ways of working. So, like, Noel could share things from the perspective of a magazine editor who's, you know, of course, attended many fashion shows before. Um, and then Rachel could talk about, like, you know, the, the research that goes into, you know, her work and how that came through in the fashion shows she's taken part in. Um, as like a really young designer Mm -hmm. and then Nicole could speak about it as a photographer who has taken images of shows as well as been a model right in in shows as well so that was really nice and what came through in the discussion was you know all the experiences but the one thing that struck me was that we were just thinking about how well yeah it's a pity that Singapore Fashion Week like stopped um, existing but at the same time was it ever really doing anything super beneficial, you know, in terms of, like, supporting emerging fashion designers. And, I mean, of course, this is going to be controversial to say, but, you know, it was... The idea was that, well, every time we had Singapore Fashion Week, right, it seemed like the the draw was really, like, who's who are we going to get this year? Like, mm. who's going to be the headliner? And the headliner is never a Singapore fashion designer, right? It's always, like, well, you know, we're going to have 
I don't know, Jason Wu this year, we're going to have Guo Pei this year. Yeah. Um, so somehow, even though, yes, there were emerging designers or like young designers who were included. So for instance, we've had like LaSalle, like a special LaSalle fashion showcase, or we've had like younger brands kind of showcasing. But, you know, that's never the focal point. Um, and I'm sure that there are lots of um, reasons for that, like really good reasons for that, because like you do need to have a big draw. You do need to take care of the costs and keep it sustainable and keep it afloat. Um, so I think why why not exist is really thinking about like how can we as fashion students or as recent fashion graduates do something that will allow us to showcase our work on our own terms and have it really be like the central focus, you mm-hmm. know, of the entire presentation rather than having it kind of buried in like, you know, everybody else or everything else. So it's a nice lofty ideal, which I don't think is like unattainable. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, it's still a really young um, organization and there will be kind of like a, let's see what, what works, let's see what sticks. And so... Um, at the community mixer as well, you know, they were accepting like donations of materials that could go into doing the fashion presentations. And of course, you've spoken about how you went to the first presentation or you you I wanted oh, to go. Yeah. You heard about the first presentation yeah. from people who were there. Got it. Yes. And um yeah, but you went to the Shauna one, right? That's yes. what it was. Okay. I've confused the two. Um so that was really nice. And you know, in the end we just concluded that no matter what, there's still a point to fashion show. Like, even though we talked about how most people are experiencing it digitally, even if you are there in person, you feel the need to, like, take a picture or take a video. And sometimes you don't even have a choice with that because, like, you're a journalist at the show or you're a working photographer at the show. You do have to do that. Yeah. So it's really hard for anyone attending the show to be like, I'm going to enjoy the show as it is. Um... But, you know, a lot of them also talk, well, um, all of them also talked about how the experience is really fundamental to, like, understanding the clothes because, you know, like, the soundtrack makes a difference, the atmosphere makes a difference, the way, you know, the models move or don't move um, makes a difference to how you experience the clothes. So that can never be taken away um, or that can never be replaced with just, like, experiencing on a fashion film, for instance, or having Mm. just, like, a digital show or just, like, flat images. Um, So there is still a point to fashion shows. Do you think though it's because it it takes so much to create the show then mm. it, it does still relegate it to the designers have to take their work very seriously and really create very beautiful pieces because that kind of fashion show that you're just describing is very different from the very commercial mall mm-hmm. shows for example mm-hmm. that showcase things like like from the high street, you know. Mm, true. Yeah, you're right. So we do have to differentiate absolutely from like, you know, different kind of catwalk shows. Is it just like a very, mm, almost like a lookbook kind of a catwalk show, right? Where you just like, okay, first look, second look, third look. Or is it more thought through? Is it more researched? Yeah. Um, so maybe there is a point to like the more experiential kind of like all encompassing, yeah. engaging all your senses sort of fashion yeah. shows. And I think that also comes with the whole idea of um, the body. And Mm. we're having this, yeah, this mass obsession with the digital and the virtual and virtual influencers. But but at the same time, the physical body is is a very urgent topic that many researchers have been talking about. Mm -hmm. And performative, understanding fashion through performance is 
gives you something extra like even if it's not like a regular movement and it's an exaggerated dance or mm. performance then it still allows you to associate the clothes with uh, yeah it's very aspirational and yeah. it brings it to the realm of not just a physical object but you know like how uh, earlier societies used to look at textiles and objects as something mystical or magical Mm -hmm. even and we kind of have lost this mysticism in modern life Mm -hmm. and maybe that kind of fashion show performance can bring that back in yeah i mean you bring up several really good points there and i mean one of the things we also talked about i think was about like how some fashion shows have become quite gimmicky you know Mm -hmm. in like searching for the new (laughs) it has just become sort of like okay let's tick the box for like how we're doing how about, for example, including like a plus size model or like a petite model or like a queer model, you know, that kind of thing. And um, definitely, you know, what you're saying about how items have lost that magical um, quality or like that mysticism is so true because, you know, we don't really have to, you know, um, protect what we own anymore because it just seems so replaceable. And, you know, we don't, we discard or, you know, we we just abandon things without a thought, really, right? And definitely with all the, like, decluttering that we're talking about with, like, the Marie Kondo mm. thing as well, like, if it doesn't spark joy, just discard it, it doesn't matter. And if you, like, need something new, you can just replace it. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe what we had in mind as the ideal fashion show or, like, what we had in mind in terms of the need to preserve fashion shows is really a very idealistic very artistic, very creative sort of uh, shrine, I guess, you know, yeah. to fashion in a very pure yeah. and very artistic but form. Also, but also, again, going back to the topic, the fashion show can become a place for collective experience mm. of an idea and it can transform, well, at, at least at that time. Yeah. I mean, that's why some shows bring people to emotional fear. So, you know. Yeah, but... I think you're right also about this like idea of bringing people together, you know, because I thought about that a lot at the at the mixer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just I kept thinking about the idea that everyone just came up from the woodwork. <laughs> you know, like you kind of know people exist. You've seen all these people's work. You follow their Instagram like feeds and things like that. But like to actually see everyone appearing in person. Yeah. And then like to have them as the audience or as like, fellow panellists or whatever, that just seems so real. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I I mean, you cannot replace that real in-person experience. It's just something very um, tangible and lovely about it, you know, that everyone took time off or felt compelled to like come toward this one place together and talk about things. And I think that's also probably the point. I think, yeah, I think the converse, yes, yes. But also, Mm. I mean, sometimes Mm. in events, the conversations are not guided and they can be a bit like high and by also. Oh, so yeah. I guess things like panels and conferences and mm. things like that are really places where there should be conversations and Yeah. And I think well was so that was the first panel and I to relate to what you just said, right? Um in, in the second panel we're supposed to talk about fashion and art, I think, but it kind of went a little sideways and we were talking about like collaboration oh okay yeah because I think we started off by talking about how like you know fashion designers and artists could work together and then we were like okay so 
wait a minute, like how can the fashion industry, you know, people in it work together? Because right now it's like we're kind of taking a tentative step towards it. But there are just so many people in this network, right? Um, so many stakeholders and people who are invested in its success. But then there's also different ideas of what its success would look like. Yeah. Um, so then we were talking about how... Um, like on the panel were, um, so this one was where I was one of the panelists. It was moderated by Racy Lim, who um, is the main organizer of, of these talks. And then there was Feet Bing, who's a photographer. There was me. And then there was Shaf, who's, of course, your um, co collaborator and mashup. Um, and then there was Max Tan, who's a fashion designer. So we were all talking about how, you know, in our own ways, we do collaborate with others and what that means and what kind of feedback we get and how that impacts our practice or our work. Um, and what more can we do to collaborate and kind of like make things a little tighter or make things happen. So um, I think, for instance, Feeding was saying that, you know, when he does his work, right, he, he does kind of collaborate or like listen to people's critiques or listen to friends' ideas and, you know, that helps him to think through what he's doing or how he's doing things. I hope I'm getting this right mm-hmm. um, from my memory. And then, um, of course, Shaf was telling us about how, like, within the collective, like, you and him and Nathan- yeah. Yeah, Nathaniel um, work together and each of you ha- bring, you know, different skill sets and, you know, uh, work together on these projects that you have. And then Max was talking about how he has his studio and he actually opens it up to younger designers who might want to come and use his resources, you know. So that's like... That's nice. Yeah, so everyone is working in different ways to collaborate. And for me, I was talking about how um, teaching here, I'm always for collaboration. You know, even my teaching, like, you know, I get students to peer review, do peer reviews for their essays, for instance, or, you know, I have also conducted... Um, classes where I get them thinking about maybe forming collectives before they mm. graduate, you know, to see how they could complement each other's skills. Um, and I'm always telling them, like, you know, you can't just collaborate with your friends who have the same skill sets as you <laughs> because then there's going to be a conflict of interest almost. So, for instance, if you're really good at photography, you should work with someone who's really good at designing, right? And then you can kind of complement each other and create something real. And you are also not scrambling for finding someone who can do what you can't do. And, and it's like a nice environment where it's not so scary, you're not outside, you're just working together with your peers. Um, so that's how we were talking about collaborations. And then I think at some point towards the end of the talk, we were talking about how it was really nice that everyone was there and listening and like nodding, you know, to what we we're saying and like thinking about, you know, their own work and how they might be able to do more um, in their own ways. But we were like, okay, you, you know, it, it would be great if beyond just this one step where we're gathered, that people actually talk to each other mm-hmm. and network. Because I think in Singapore, so for instance, for both panels, people weren't really like asking questions. You know how mm-hmm. it is when yeah. in class also, right? We were asking yeah. students, so do you have any questions? Or like, no. dead silence. <laughs> or if we ask a question, dead silence. Um, yeah. It's that, just this fear of like speaking out. One thing that people have been using a lot recently, at least in Singapore, is this... Um, websites where you can send in your comment or question via your phone. Okay. And I don't know if this is just an Asia thing, but it does seem like like even phone calls, you know, like younger people are scared to make phone calls. I, I don't like phone calls either, I must say. <laughs> I find it very confrontational. Because you're just very young. Oh, right? young at heart. <laughs> like a millennial one. Well, actually we are millennials, right? I mean, yeah, judging by the age groups. We yeah. are millennials. But, but the, the older ones. 
but there is some sort of like comfort in the screen, right? And uh, yeah, for sure. I can't even <laughs> deal with WhatsApp messages sometimes. You know, when it's work related, I'm like, why are you WhatsApping me? Can you please email me? Like, I find it very like hostile. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just thought. I mean, in this um, in this mix, it was so encouraging to see all of the people show up and like they were really attentive. Yeah. Which I thought was amazing. Um, Maybe we should um, just carry our lectures and classes outside of school. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. No, but I I'm, I think our students do pay attention to us. It's just that I wish, you know, um, they wouldn't be so afraid to be like, come, let's do something together, you mm. know. And I, I think, of course, why not is like such a good step forward. And I'm so excited to see what they will do. Um, and I think one other thing that came through also is like in the second panel, because Noel was still in the audience and... Um, quite a number of people actually said like, oh, you know, they are so thankful to her for having featured them in mm. her magazine, which I thought was like, yeah, of course we all have to work together, right? Like, you know, we're here teaching, we're giving the students ideas, we're giving them hopefully confidence to like be who they want to be and yes. get the jobs they want to get or create the jobs they want to do when they graduate. Um, or even before, that would be the best. Um, and then Noel, as someone who's a journalist, is like, yes, I am the gatekeeper of some sort, but I will you know, shine a light on you. Um, and then I think Fee Bing was the one who said like, well, you know, it's great. Like usually they get some kind of recognition, but then it kind of stops at some point. Like, you know, mm -hmm. there's no follow through or like it would be great if there was like a, well, let's continue to see like how we can support, you know, these designers, these photographers and see what else they are doing and follow their journey. Yeah, and I think, you know, in the end, it would be great if it was more inclusive all in all because I feel sometimes in the community and I also, maybe that's why the Singapore Fashion Week kind of model kind of turns people off a bit, right? Because it's, it seems quite exclusive. Like, who gets to attend and who gets, you know, involved and who gets to participate and things like that. Um, whereas the why not one is more like, well, anyone can come and there's an open call and, you know, I'm let's work on this together. Yeah, I mean, not to bash anybody's efforts because any effort at all is good. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also good to learn from what we've done before and, like, how to move forward, I guess. Yeah. I think there just has to be more things happening that are intentionally guiding conversations mm. because, like, you're, like, for example, maybe one of the reasons why people don't ask questions or don't do things yet is because it's the first time that they are encountering something like this. So true. And also maybe there is nothing to work towards. Whereas um, if they have an idea for like an open call deadline or, yeah. you know, I mean, deadlines just make us yeah, create I love work deadlines. for something. Yes. Wait, or, do I love deadlines? I'm not sure. <laughs> or like <Yeah>. even <laughs> um, when you are commissioned for something, there, there is something to work towards. And I guess... If there's nothing to work towards, there doesn't almost there almost doesn't seem to be a point unless you're very driven. You're right. I think yeah, you're right. As in, there needs to be like achievable goals, right, in the grand scheme of things. So like we kind of know yes, we want to have like a great, vibrant fashion industry here in Singapore. But I mean, it it's not enough to just say that, and it's not enough to just have a few people do something about it. There needs to be like more effort and more quality. Yeah. Things. Yeah, just more people like chipping in and getting involved in some sort of way I guess but yeah I mean oh the, uh, the other thing that I took away from the design conference mm. was that all these theorists like academics were always critiquing and looking at what things are like but the people who will 
do the practice are the people on the ground. Mm. And so, for example, this... And if nobody does anything, nothing for yeah, the... Nothing will happen. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, then, like, for example, I forgot uh, this man from a country in Europe, a smaller country in Europe, was talking about how this group of people just, like, started their own museum mm-hmm. and nobody wanted to help them or get involved or pay or give them money from the mm. government. But after two years, they became... Two or three years, they got so much traction... And suddenly the government agencies wanted to come in and like give them yeah. money. I'm sure that's going to happen here. Yeah, actually one of the things that happened at the beginning of the second talk was also this idea like, oh, why aren't we getting money from the government? Yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, well, I mean, you know, we can't really do anything about that for now. Um, I think someone was talking about how we seem to be falling through the cracks in the sense that like there's a National Arts Council mm-hmm. and then there's a Singapore Design Council. Yes. And fashion seems to fit. In no place. Yeah. You know, like, because, yeah. Even when I was trying to get my uh, uh, scholarship. scholarship for oh, my yeah. MA in fashion curation, mm-hmm. they I, I met the design council and they said, I mean, they've been very supportive with Mashup and with us, like, going for trade shows and yeah. things like that. And, like, I, I thought that they would want to continue their investment in me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just asked what's, why I didn't get it. And she was like, yeah, I mean, if you had chosen any other course... Yeah. But fashion curation is not our agenda right now. So I've heard the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I applied, I think, for both my MA and my PhD, I applied with like uh, National Art Council, Singapore Design Council. And I know for a fact that for NAC, yeah, it was also like, well, if you had not specified that it was going to be for fashion, it could just be like a general art history thing. Things could have happened. But <laughs> since you were like fashion, then no. Um, so it's, I guess it's kind of disheartening in that way, you know, if you're looking at it, Comparing to like what's happening with artists, I mean, artists are really, to be honest, quite well supported in the, in Singapore. Um, but then I kind of like once we kind of got to that level, I was just thinking, well, there's nothing we can do about it because we're not in the government. I mean, you know, but what also, else can we do yeah. then? Yeah. But I think maybe like another thing that was brought up in the design conference was like as a response to that is that there are three steps to and to most projects right mm. there's the initial where there needs to be an initiative Mm-mm. and then that's where probably nobody gets on board and then you have to kind of show that it's working yeah. or like that something's happening from it and then that's where you can ask people mm. and then the third one is scalability so where you kind of expand whatever you have yeah. and so if we want to say that fashion is legitimate, then we have to continue doing these conversations. We have to make it critical. We have to write. We have to yeah. create research. We have to create good things. And hopefully then yeah. it's easier if to ask build for it, help. <laughs> yeah, if we build it, people will come or something, right? Yeah, the hopefully. field of dreams. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I mean, we have no solutions, I guess. Or maybe like the reason why we're doing the podcast is also partly like, well, if anyone's gonna do it we're gonna try yeah um, even though we only have 150 followers on Instagram <laughs> which is quite sad but we'll just keep talking <laughs> until people are like oh okay that's quite interesting let's let's give it a listen so okay um, that was nice to catch up and like talk about what we've been doing separately yes so thank you very much for listening and if you liked what if you like if you like the podcast, <laughs> please follow us on Instagram, um, on Spotify, on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the podcast. And follow us on Instagram to get updates and look at the images of the things we've been featuring. Mm. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and we'll see you at the next podcast. Thank you. Bye. Bye.